0: Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. We are up to chapter six. And we've learned that Paul started this community in Corinth on one of his missionary journeys. He loves the church. He's visited the church. But the relationships aren't easy. Things were a bit prickly between Paul and some of the Corinthians. They had a very different idea about what leadership was like. And some of them had rejected Paul as a leader. And if you've been with us over recent weeks, you will know that really, for the best part of five chapters so far, Paul has really been defending why he is the kind of leader that he is, why he exercises the kind of ministry that he does. And here we are in chapter 6, and it continues that theme. This morning is called God's Servants at Work. And Paul is appealing in our chapter to the Corinthians. He's defending his ministry not as a powerful and an impressive leader and a brilliant, articulate orator, but as a servant. Our passage uh, to Corinthians 6, verse 3 begins, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way. Paul says, I'm not a and a leader like you think I am. I'm going to commend myself to you in every way as a servant. And so we're going to think this morning about Paul's ministry of servanthood, how that works itself out, what it looks like, and what the challenge is there for us as Christians, uh, having a character of servanthood as we seek to represent Jesus well. We've already mentioned last Sunday being out on the Green together. Great to see those highlights, wasn't it? Hopefully that gave you a flavour if you weren't there and a good reminder if you were. And uh, let me add my thanks, along with Andy, for the hundred or so of you who made that day happen, and the many more who came as renter crowds crowd and made it such a brilliant event. And we really wanted that occasion to be a fun and positive, good news presence in our community as we celebrated the Queen's faith and service. And I think it really was that. I thought Sue Pike made a lovely Queen, and uh, I don't know who was more excited about that massive inflatable assault course the children or Andy Morgan there was loads of lovely TV footage over the course of the weekend of different and various jubilee events in London but this balcony picture was one of my favourites I think Prince Louis really stole the day with that noisy fly past Um, you've got to love four-year-olds and as the parent of children that just made me feel so much better about so much seeing him in that way The Queen has a very clear faith in Jesus, and throughout her life and her reign, she has consistently described herself as a servant, and she's described herself as a servant of the people and as a servant of God. In her first christmas broadcast in 1952 she emphasized her dedication to the role and she said this at my coronation next june i shall dedicate myself anew to your service pray that god may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises i shall be making and that i may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life That was in 1952. And since she came to the throne, age 25, the Queen has consistently spoken of her faith in Jesus and consistently pointed to him as the source of her help and strength. She has modelled servanthood in her ministry. And that is one of the hallmarks of any follower of Jesus, that we are to model servanthood in whatever ministry God has called us to Paul says he is a servant of God you might not think I'm impressive or articulate he says but the kind of ministry I have is one that follows Jesus who himself was a servant of all and part of the defense of his ministry here in 2 Corinthians 6 Paul outlines what a true commitment to Jesus looks like and if we are servants of God what does that look like for us So we're going to look briefly at four hallmarks of a servant of Jesus as we see it in this passage, which we can learn from for ourselves. And the first of those is this. The first hallmark is a commitment to Jesus that results in endurance. Paul talks about some of the hardships that he's faced, verses 4 and 5. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, In great endurance, in troubles, hardship and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. It is the ability to trust God and serve him in the face of immense difficulty that gives Paul credibility, he says. Now we know from other passages in this letter and elsewhere just how much Paul suffered. Lessons of endurance are hard to learn but so important we live in a culture that is absolutely in love with the instant. It's an instant culture. Everything is available right now. Everything must happen right now. Amazon Prime, get it tomorrow. Instant messaging, live news 24-7, microwave meals. We live in an instant age. And one of the things that I've been reflecting on is that this instant culture can be so unhelpful to our souls. We live in an instant culture, but some things just take time. You can't microwave character. I was quite pleased with that line when I wrote it. I thought, if I'm going to write a book, that's going to be one of my chapter headings, although don't ever let me write a book. There are no shortcuts to discipleship. There are no shortcuts to maturity. And in our instant, I want it right now, culture, endurance and perseverance are underrated qualities When people look at us in our lives, what we usually want them to look at is someone who is capable or successful or competent. How about people look at us and they see the hallmark of servanthood that has endurance about it. God calls us to persevere and endure as we navigate life following him. So the first hallmark, a commitment to Jesus that results in endurance. The second is a commitment to Jesus that results in integrity. Paul's talked about the physical hardships he's faced, his difficult circumstances, and he carries on his list, if you look, and he shifts gear and starts to talk about his character. Moving on a couple of verses, back to verse 4. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Verse 6, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left It's interesting that Paul sees character as powerful. Calvin already alluded to those weapons of righteousness. Character that is so much more powerful than gifting or skills when we want to see people come to know Jesus. Purity, patience, kindness, truthful speech. And these aren't just Christianese Words, they're not just the sorts of characteristics saved for you know Christians here inside this building. Actually, people everywhere want to look out for character. People recognise integrity as important. Leaders are held up to scrutiny about their character. Whatever your political persuasion, this is a live issue in our current government. It's been a very tricky week for Boris Johnson. And a vote of confidence is basically, in part... A vote about character. Do do his party trust this person? Do they have confidence in his actions? But also their character. And Paul talks about truthful speech. Those questions are being asked of our current political leaders. Whether we are Christians or not, we have an innate sense, I think, that character really counts. That character really matters. That integrity really matters. May we be people of Integrity may a growing integrity in our lives as we journey with Jesus be attractive to others. Going back to the Jubilee celebrations, I watched the Thanksgiving service on the Friday at St. Paul's Cathedral, and the Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, preached a great sermon. He had to step in for Justin Welby, who had Covid. And um, he was excellent. He was also very short. That was one of my takeaways, which you'll be very delighted to hear, that short sermons are good sermons. But it was excellent, I thought. And he said this about the Queen. For me, the best leaders, like Paul, like Jesus, are those who know how to be led. People who lead for others, not themselves. People whose heart's desire is to serve the common good and build up the common life. And I say this today knowing that in Her Majesty the Queen, we see an example of this kind of service, a staunch constancy and a steadfast consistency, a faithfulness to God and obedience to a vocation that is the bedrock of her life. Now, I quote this not to overdo the emphasis on the Queen. We're here to worship Jesus, aren't we, of course, but to appreciate a lifetime of faith and service that she's given And the link there is here to the encouragements from the Apostle Paul in this letter. We are called to servanthood and for that commitment to Jesus to result in a life of integrity. To be described as people with a steadfast consistency of faithfulness to God. The third hallmark of servanthood is a commitment to Jesus that results in contentment. Paul has said that he commends himself to the Corinthians by his endurance in hardships. That he lists aspects of his character we've just seen and then follows a list which demonstrates a peace with his circumstances and a contentment. Rather, as a servant of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Verse 8, through glory and dishonour, bad reports and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul makes a really poignant statement here as he speaks to all the naysayers, the people who are questioning his authority. He's saying he's a servant of God and he has nothing and yet possesses everything. I imagine you, like me, have got a huge amount of respect and appreciation for those people that you know who have found a a peace and a contentment despite their circumstances. People who can say and truly believe that actually I have nothing but I possess everything. I am sorrowful and yet I am also rejoicing. Endurance, integrity and now contentment. These are actually qualities that people sit up and take notice of if we embody them to those around us. These are the things that are going to persuade people that Jesus is worth investigating, an attractive life that's worth emulating. Obviously, our words and explaining the gospel is really important, but showing the character of Jesus to people, you know, that is what is dynamite, As a church, we're committed to what we call whole life discipleship, where we want everything that we do as a church community to equip each other for our daily lives. You might recognise this picture. We've shown it before. It's a resource from LICC, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. And LICC's whole ethos is about whole life discipleship. And in this picture, Christians are represented by the red here we are uh, in, in that picture there as followers of Jesus gathered together on a Sunday, huddled together in a little corner in our churches. Less than 6% of um, the UK population currently go to church once a month or more. And that's proportionally represented there by the red dots, six red dots in a sea of grey dots. And the second picture is us scattered out on our frontline places. Every one of us has a frontline, the place where we spend most of our time rubbing up against people who wouldn't say that they share our faith. For many of us, that frontline place is work. It might be at home with family, It might be a sports club. It might be on the school gates the place where we spend a lot of our time with people who wouldn't say that they share our faith. And of course, if you look at those red dots, the contact and and impact of each red dot is so much greater when they are scattered. And an important value for us as a church is that gathering together is actually equipping us. We do do the the left-hand picture in order to send us out for the right hand picture, what we 're doing here today, we sometimes describe it as being like the half time team talk where actually we come get a pep talk, be encouraged and motivated, and then sent back out again for the second half of the game, back out into our frontline places Monday to Saturday. When we talk about the hallmarks of servanthood, we are out in our frontline places every day. You and I have got the chance to model endurance, integrity and contentment in those places and let's pray that what we do together here as we share communion and worship and listen to God's word equips us for when we are scattered on our front lines. Perhaps we can pray that we would be a red dot that makes an impact on the grey dots around us because of our character and the way that we love and serve this week. And then finally, the fourth and final hallmark is a commitment to Jesus that results in living differently. If you look at verse 13, you'll see that Paul makes an appeal to the Corinthians as a father. He calls them my children. He asks them to have open hearts. There's a warmth about him. There's a fatherliness. And then he brings them a challenge in love about the way that they are to live. Verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And then just after that, you'll notice that Paul quotes some Old Testament passages in verses 16 to 18, really those that say that in the Messiah, God has fulfilled his promises to all people. And Paul wants the Corinthians to look at the pagan society around them and live differently to them because of their allegiance to Jesus. The question is, what does it mean? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. You may have heard that expression before. The picture is taken from a command in Deuteronomy 22 that forbids ploughing with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. When animals are yoked together equally, they share in the work it eases the load, they get more done. If they are unequally yoked, they do not get work done and they will go in circles. And so many of the Old Testament laws were really about not mixing and contaminating God's people, keeping away from the pagan neighbours, being separate and being holy Now, here in the New Covenant days, Paul is no longer saying that an ox and a donkey mustn't be yoked together. He's using that as a picture of a Christian not being too closely linked with the world in ways that are unhelpful. Now, what Paul isn't saying is telling us not to associate with people who aren't Christians. Absolutely not. We've talked about the importance of being godly red dots in a sea of grey dots out and about in our world. Jesus himself modelled that, being out where people are, absolutely. Paul is talking about unhealthy alliances such that they will seriously impact our faith. And it could refer to any partnership, such as business maybe, but the most reasonable understanding is about marriage. And this verse is often quoted to that end that God's ideal for a Christian is to marry someone who shares your faith. Paul's clear about that in his first letter to the Corinthians. There's a bit in in 1 Corinthians 7, when he's talking to a widow, and he says that if the widow's husband dies, she's free to marry anyone she wishes. And he uses this phrase, but he must belong to the Lord. The assumption is that for a Christian, a, a partner should also belong to the Lord, should share the faith. Now, I'm just very conscious this is a really big topic. It could be the theme of a whole message in its own right. And I'm mentioning it now in proportion with the wider context of our passage and our theme today about about living differently, about various hallmarks of following Jesus. What does it mean to live counter-culturally for him? But it is worth saying, because this verse is quoted and it's well known, that this is why we would be teaching our young people and encouraging each other that God's ideal is for a Christian to marry another Christian because following Jesus is hard enough as it is. And if we're to have a partner, we need someone who has that same first priority as us. Now, I know, as I say that, that life is muddy and grey, and it's not straightforward, and there are all sorts of pastoral things to be aware of, and we have a huge amount of grace for all of that, whilst also holding on to the ideal here as we read it, and wanting to be faithful as we teach God's Word. The wider reminder is that Paul calls Christians to live differently. What does it mean for you to live differently to not make alliances that are unhelpful for you in your faith, so that you're able to be servants as we go into our frontline places tomorrow. As a red dot, what does it look like to live a different kind of life, a countercultural life, one of servanthood for Jesus? We model our lives on Jesus, the greatest servant of all. He said in Matthew 20, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, as we leave our little corner, as we leave the the halftime team talk and we head out into our front lines, we've talked today about some hallmarks of servanthood that we find here in 2 Corinthians 6. Have a look at those. A commitment to Jesus that results in endurance, integrity, contentment, and living differently. Let's pray for God's help as we seek to live him, live for him in this way. I'm gonna ask the band to come back and we'll just leave that slide on for a moment. And while they do that, We'll pray together before we worship and then share in communion. I just wonder if you might want to spend a moment in prayer. Is there one of those in particular that the Lord is putting his finger on? Is he challenging you about what it means to be a red dot in a sea of grey this week? I'm going to give you a moment just to pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us this week to model our lives on you, the greatest servant of all, who displayed all these characteristics and showed us what it means to be truly human with your Holy Spirit's power at work in us. Would you help us to serve you and serve others, we pray.